Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, how are you today? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. Today on the show, there's no guests, but we are going to talk about the big news of the week, which is, of course, the JCPS transportation catastrophe so um if you are in louisville or not you probably have heard about this i know it made national news but essentially jcps opened the school year last wednesday and have yet to have their second day of school because of significant transportation issues throughout the district so we're going to talk about that we're going to try to contextualize it kind of explain how we got to this situation and talk about what might be coming next uh both from JCPS itself and from the state government who looks likely to take a pretty significant hand in uh, in doing some different stuff here for the education system in Louisville. So we're going to start with that. Um, Jasmine's going to follow that up by talking a little bit about the UPS contract. So we have talked a little bit over the past several weeks about the looming strike at UPS. That was averted. Uh, hot strike summer was not to be. It's now hot union summer is what uh, what some people are saying. So they won a new contract. Uh, you know, by and large, it has been framed as a win for workers. But Jasmine is going to dig into exactly what it means, what it looks like, and what are the prospects of the actual contract passing a vote through membership, which is supposed to be happening very shortly. So without any further ado, Jasmine, let's talk about JCPS. So like I said, JCPS started their school year last Wednesday, and uh, that was the first day of school, and it has, they have yet to have the second day of school because of transportation issues, which overwhelmed the school system. On Wednesday, when they had the first day of school, the last child was not dropped off from the bus until about 10 p.m., which is just absolutely crazy. It's like six or seven hours after the last school ended. I think the last school ends like around 5.30 or so. So that's, that's you know, a long, long time. Like, uh, anyways, that that's uh, deeply unacceptable. That's just like absolutely not something that's ever allowed to happen, uh, and, and yet it did. Um, you know, always, every school year, there are issues around transportation, but this was just out of control Uh, you know i do think as the day kind of wore on on wednesday a lot of people who are used to transportation issues around the district were like well this is pretty par for the course there's always transportation issue but then as we kind of saw that you know we got to seven eight nine ten o'clock children are not dropped off we kind of realized that this is something different this is something Mm -hmm. much worse than we normally see so how did this happen? So back in, uh, okay, so let's start in the present day. This year, 2023, was the first year that JCPS was implementing a new set of start times. So for a long time, when I was a JCPS student and before that, there were two start times. Uh, a JCPS started at 740 if you were in middle school or high school, and it started at, I think, 930 if you were in elementary school, and it let out at 220 if you were in high school or middle school, and I think it let out at 330 if you were in elementary school. Uh, but they switched that, JCPS switched that to eight start times. That was a vote that they took last year to do that at the beginning of this year. And the reason they did that was because of transportation issues. Uh, JCPS maintains a large number of routes. I think last year it was up to 730 different routes that they maintained, and they needed to decrease that. Uh, this this plan was advertised uh, as cutting to 660 routes from 730, but by the time that the school year started, the number of routes JCPS staffed was down to 600. 
hundred. So that's a pretty significant drop, 130 fewer routes than they had been uh, driving before. Why do they need to do that? Because in recent years, JCPS has had a more and more difficult time filling bus driver positions. The bus driver shortage has been very significant. Uh, you know, they, they've raised wages over time, and I'm sure that's helped. But the last time I could get a solid number was that there was a nearly 200 driver shortage back in 2018. Pay was boosted that year, and it was boosted again to $21.69. And keep that number in mind as Jasmine talks about the UPS contract because those people have to have the same credential as CDL, commercial driver's license, and one, <clears throat> one delivers packages all day, and one has to drive around children uh, and also supervise them. One of those seems like an easier job than the other, at least as far as I can see. In addition to the $21.69 in, in base wages, JCPS bus drivers also had some significant bonuses that they were eligible for. In recent years, a lot of bus routes have simply been canceled or streamlined. And I mean, if, if you aren't aware of this, this is something that I think I learned that a lot of people didn't know. It had become normal for children who drive the bus to simply show up for school late every single day school started at 7 40 a lot of them wouldn't get to school until 8 30 8 45 9 o'clock that was just normal you just kind of missed school at the beginning uh you know you you just came home really late that was just the norm as it was happening uh, that that's that's not great. That's why they decided to make a big change. That's why they decided to streamline these routes, go to multiple start times. Something had to happen because the status quo really was not acceptable either. Uh, and while that was a little bit more of like a, a situation that that you know the frog, what did they call it? like the frog in the boiling water? Like it had kind of happened over a long period of time when the buses became later and later, and more and more children were just showing up to school later and later. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of got used to that status quo while this all happened at once. Both of these situations were entirely unacceptable and need need to be improved. So in order to try to fix the problems that existed up until last year with children just it becoming normal for children to just be that late for school, JCPS decided to make the change to eight start times. And in order to fix the bus routing, they used this company called Alpha Route. Um, it's been much publicized that the company that they hired used AI. Um, Jasmine, have you heard about this? This AI has this much? How much did you hear about that part? I, I did hear about that part. Yeah. Um, just that they, I guess what I heard is that they used AI to come up with the routes and that a lot of the stops were not correct. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think our culture. I don't think that, but I don't think that AI is like the right term for what was utilized. Is what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just really interesting the mo the the situation that we're at regarding like how our culture thinks about AI and how between the time that this company was likely engaged by GCPS and when the routing w was implemented this week, uh, our culture mostly had like a, a, a wholesale change in the way that we consider AI. It has gone from like, oh, that's cool to like, oh, no, that's bad. We do not <laughs> like AI, uh, at least among a certain segment of the population. Um, I think AI is mostly, especially in use of for developing bus routing, is mostly just like a marketing ploy. Um, I I work in and around I, I mean I someone I, people describe my job these days as AI 
it's it's not. I would never call myself an AI worker, but people who want to sell my services sometimes do. I do a lot of things that could be described as AI in my day job, and and it, it's it's not it's not like building robots that can think or anything like that. It's not anything like that. You're not building Chat GPT. You're you're using statistics and you're using just kind of like software to de- to mm-hmm. plot a route. And 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 the issue with the routes doesn't really have much to do with AI. I, I do think that that's, that's likely what's going on. I think that the issue is is on the operationalization of the routes. The routes that were delivered made sense. I'm sure a lot of them, because they were new, there were going to be problems. Um, and the truth of the matter is that JCPS is tasked with taking 70,000 kids home every day. That requires a lot of effort. And while JCPS is working really hard to do more with less, the system buckled and failed. Um, the my, my my family used to use the term, uh, you can't squeeze blood from a turnip. That's kind of how I feel about this. I don't think AI is to blame. I think the fact is we don't have enough bus drivers, and we are trying to to, to force this system, force the amount of labor that we have into performing the task that needs to be done, and there's just a mismatch, and there's just not enough – there's just not enough there there to fix. You can only fix it so much. You can only – you can only find so many efficiencies before you know you're just maxed out. Uh, yeah, that that's just kind of the, the, how that goes. It, it's not the computer's fault. It's the fact that we don't have enough bus drivers' fault. Uh, it's the fact that that's we have to do this for all of these students. We don't have enough labor to perform yeah. the, the task. I, right. I think that the, there were problems with the routes that this company helped design. And that contributed to like the absolute cluster that happened on Wednesday. And that is why children were getting home at 9 p.m. Um, instead of, you know, earlier first day issues. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this was really like a all systems failure like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like there's there's no one thing that contributed to it yeah, um it, yeah. it goes back to like state funding and then a worker a bus driver shortage and then hiring this company to do to try to fix it and then the route's not going well and so it was just like all systems failure it was a- i think I, there's no it was not just the software's fault. <laughs> right, exactly. That, that's the main point I want to talk about there. Like, it, it, when we're talking about, like, the way in which the system failed, it was like a system of cascading failures. You're, yes. asking, one, you're asking one bus to do a lot more this year than you were asking one bus to do last year. Right. And, and the issue, the way that I understand the issues as they came up is, you know, kindergartners, little children that get picked up at the bus, they have to meet their parent there. You can't just leave a five-year-old at this on the side of the road. Like you, you don't do that. That's against the rules. Mm-hmm. So if their parent isn't there, you have to take them back to school. That adds time to the route. So if your first route includes a kid that didn't get picked up, then, you know, you have to go back to the school, drop them off there, and then you're late to your next pickup. So then you're like an hour and a half, you're like, you know, half an hour late to your next thing that you need to get to. If there's another child at that school that doesn't get picked up, all of a sudden, you know, you're an hour late to the next. So like it just cascades. Also, people not being familiar enough with their routes. Every time one bus 
has something go wrong because of the way that they're trying to build efficiency into the system that just cascades through the rest of the system. More and more things have problems. And because of the way the depoting works, if one bus is late, all of the buses can't be released from the depot until the last bus is there. So if one bus has a problem and it has to depot at any point in the system, it shows up to the depot. All eight or nine buses at that system are now the same amount late as the next one. So then, you know, that's how the system is cascading. And to me, yeah, to me, the fact is you're asking one bus to do a heck of a lot more than you're asking one bus to do last year. And that's causing the situation with cascading failure. So we'll get into that when we talk about the solutions that they've put forward in the, in a temporary state also. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the, 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 the outcomes, what, what has happened out of this situation. So on Thursday, the day after the first day of school, when most of the dust had cleared and we saw what had happened, Marty Polio, the JCPS superintendent, canceled classes for the next two days. He canceled classes on Thursday and Friday. Um, and some frequently more, more has happened. We learned that we are now not going to have school all of this week for high schoolers and elementary and middle schoolers will go back on Friday. Um, but on on Thursday, when we learned that that classes would be canceled on uh, Thursday and Friday, um, they sent the bus drivers out to work on their routes and other work uh, was being done to kind of figure out what to do uh, about about this this whole situation. Um, You know, one of the things they said that we're going to do is they were going to have an app available where parents were going to be able to download this thing and allow them to track where their children's bus is. Uh, There was just an insane amount of understandable panic when your child is this many hours late from school and you don't know where your child is and it's the first day of school and you're hearing all these like just horrifying situations about like what's going on at the buses that's just a really scary situation and apparently there were pretty significant communication issues calling the bus hotline nobody answering it's just being totally overwhelmed that's really scary that's very scary um and and one of the things they're doing to try to mitigate that is to give parents an app where they're going to be able to see where their child's bus is at all times the the next thing that they are going to do is they're putting in place contingencies for these little children so if you get to a spot there's a kindergartner there's no child there's no parent uh, at the stop to pick up the, the, the kindergartner, the JCPS and the will dispatch a van to that area, and then somebody will be there to sit there with that child until their parent shows up. So it's no longer on the bus. The bus can continue their route, and that will prevent um, those those big delays from uh, from those buses from from occurring. So hopefully, you know, those mitigate some of the problems that they're having. Those are some of the contingencies that put in place in uh, in the meantime. But, you know, these are the short-term solutions. Uh, you know, the, the, the longer-term problems as they arrived and were, were felt there on Thursday led to a lot of conservative Republicans pouncing on the opportunity to ridicule JCPS. I think the biggest piece of this is that Louisville Republicans, especially those in the state legislature, many of whom who have districts that are not entirely within Jefferson County, some of whom don't even live in Jefferson County, but just represent people in Jefferson County, they requested that Andy Bashir call a special session. I don't think he's going to do that. And this special session which they requested would allow all students to attend their neighborhood schools. That's a bill that's been before the legislature several times. It comes from Kevin Bratcher. We've been talking about it pretty much since we had this show. Um, uh, another bill that would gut the JCPS school board 
I don't know exactly what they want to do, but they just talked about the, you know, how they felt like the JCPS school board was an utter failure. Um, they also want to explore the option of splitting JCPS into multiple districts, and they also wanted to put a school choice ballot initiative before voters. So this kind of open letter, this thing that that came out, Jason Nemus was the first person to put it forward. It's a wish list of items that anti-JCPS Republicans have been hoping for since the GOP went into the majority in Frankfurt, you know, at this point, eight or nine years ago. Uh, I guess it was seven years ago. Um, and, you know, Andy Bashir is highly likely, highly unlikely to call for a special session, but I do think that these items are going to be top on the non-budget item, the list of non-budget items for Republicans in the 2024 session. These are probably things that are going to be like, HB3, HB4, HB5 mm-hmm. next year. And, and it's highly likely that most of them will pass. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what can be done to prevent that from happening. Um, it, it, you know, with that being said, uh, what the what the Republicans who represent Louisville in the state legislature have said, it's important to note that transportation, which is at the core of all of the issues that we're talking about this week, is actually a funding that is a constitutional duty for the state government. Um, one thing that was very revealing to me was this analysis that was done by Jason Bailey of Kentucky Policy, which pointed out that the legislature has fallen short of the responsibility to fund school transportation every year since 2005. And he also did an analysis that said if JCPS had received full funding, they would have 82% more funding for transportation. You know how you solve a bus driver shortage is by paying more for bus drivers, and with more funding, you're able to do that. Uh, You know, the the budgets for transportation are are pretty stretched thin. I've heard a lot of people talk about budgets at JCPS. Of course, transportation budgets are slightly different, um, and and that's uh, that's something that, that is in a different pot. So when you talk about the budget for JCPS, you need to realize that transportation isn't necessarily... Uh, exactly the same as the budget, the overall budget for the district. But it's easy to point fingers. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're being defensive, if you're enraged by what you feel are constant failures by the school system, it's really easy to point fingers. But Jasmine, like you said, everybody should be ashamed of what's going on here. This is a shameful situation. This is a failure. Everybody failed from top to bottom. Anybody that... uh, Anybody that makes decisions for how the school systems operate, anybody that has any, any responsibility towards funding or making decisions about these buses, um, they, they, really, they really blew it. it. It really happened in a way that was not acceptable um, for this. I, I'll, I'll carve out people who are just working there and don't uh, have a part in the decision-making process. Like I don't think you know, the bus drivers really failed. They, they did their best. I think that they did the things that they were supposed oh, to do. Yeah. You know, I think the teachers did the best that they could given a really, really difficult situation and, and really were the frontline workers for dealing with this catastrophe as it was ongoing. But, you know, the people that wear suits to go into work um, and, and the people that, that make laws in Frankfurt, they, they really blew it this time. Uh, and it was really, really disappointing to, to watch that happen. Um, I, I already made this point slightly, but um, a lot of people, a lot of the conversation about this has involved the overall JCPS budget being pretty big. It's, I think, the biggest budget in the state other than the state government. Like, it's bigger than Metro Louisville. It's bigger than Lexington. It's bigger than, I think, everybody else. I think JCPS is just just smaller than the state government as a whole. Um, and, 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 you know, transportation is is different from that budget. That's the first thing I'll point out. It's, it's, it's 
wrapped up in it, but it's different. And the stream of funding that goes towards transportation is a lot different, and it's supposed to be the responsibility of the state government. And second, and I think maybe even more important, is to think about the, the fact that there's a lot of structural issues in Jefferson County. To our credit, I think we, we've kept the school system together. We've attempted to confront a lot of issues with the school system. A lot of other cities uh, that are Louisville size or larger use a system like the Republicans have put forward, which is like one nice and tidy, very white suburban district uh, that kind of goes around the city and, you know, has a lot of well-resourced people that live out in the suburbs. And then a different school district that's urban that includes uh disinvested and redlined communities and and neighborhoods uh, that has a lot more challenges. And, you know, we keep everybody together and then we ask so much of the school system. We ask so much of JCPS. They are tasked with solving issues around hunger, around housing, around abuse and neglect of children, uh, 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 you know, uh, around drugs, around all kinds of these social ills in addition to education. Like education Mm -hmm. is the core purpose for these schools, but they are also asked to confront all of these other issues with their education budget. And it's really, really hard and really, really expensive to do that. If you're gonna run your entire social system, or not entire, but a large chunk of your social system and an inappropriate amount of your social social system through the school system, It's going to be expensive per student to do that. And in fact, I would I would put forward that it's going to be more expensive than a lot of other places in the state of Kentucky to do that. So when we look at, oh, gosh, you know, JCPS has this much funding. They get the same seek amount as everybody else or whatever. Louisville is a bigger, different, more diverse, more challenged community than a lot of other places. And it's going to be more expensive just because of how much we put on the school system. That's the main point I would like to point out when people talk about how big the JCPS budget is. We ask so much of the school system. It's, yeah. it, it's not enough. Okay, regardless of who is at fault, it's important to realize that our public schools are a part of all of us. Citizens of Louisville should realize that we benefit from and are responsible to our public school system. I really wish that this community was doing a better job of coming together to support what has to be one of our greatest assets, which is our public schools. We are experiencing extreme challenges. We are experiencing disappointment, frustration, catastrophe in our school system right now. But as a community, we have to get through them and get better. We are all united in this. We all own this thing. We are all responsible to this thing. Our kids our community, we deserve a better school system than we have right now. And, you know, whatever we need to do to make it better, we have to come together to identify what that is and not retreat to our partisan corners and point fingers and say, you know, you failed, let's blow it up or everything needs to stay exactly the same. I didn't hear as much of the second one. I did hear a lot of the first one. Uh, but I don't know. That's That's just where I come down on it. So, Jasmine, I just talked a lot about JCPS. I'm clearly very passionate about this. I'm a graduate. I expect to have um, my children go through there. Um, What do you have to say about any of this, about all of this uh, JCPS as a topic? Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to say I don't have children, so this doesn't affect me. But that's just not true because 
the children in our school system are part of our community and are going to be the adults that are part of our community one day and their parents are part of our community and like it affects all of their education and their upbringing affects all of us and i mean i mean just for an example is my spouse is working late every night this week because parents have had to take off this week um because school's not in session and so they're he is seeing them at night um and so i mean this affects everyone in in some way or another it affects our whole community and we we want we want schools to be the place that like fosters learning and socialization and that like that makes children like become great citizens and um, when they're struggling like that, you know, rooting for them to fail, um, which is what it seems like a lot of Republicans are doing, um, is really frustrating. And whenever I saw these bus issues, like my first thought, I think the first thing I saw was like, a a news item, like a tweet that said like, as of 9.58 p.m., all students have been dropped off. And, like, my first thought is how scary if you're a kid and how scary if you're a parent. And then my next thought was what is the legislature going to do with this? Um, and I and I hate that I even have to think that way. Um, and, and they were quick. They were quick to it. Um, and so... I hate to see like what happens from this failure. It's really, really disappointing that it happened. Um, but it was, you know, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just like one thing. It wasn't just that they were not prepared that day. It was like a, like you said, a cascading failure. And I saw like anecdotes from, from bus drivers who said that they practice their roots and even practicing without kids they were never like less than an hour late. Um, so they knew it was going to be a problem before it was a disaster. Um, and so it, it's just like really unfortunate um, how it happened. And there, there are going to be like huge, like state level consequences from it probably. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, the scariest thing to me about the solutions that we put forward is like JCPS faces so many challenges, but we wrap everybody together as one community and try mm-hmm. to confront all of our com- challenges as a community. And when you split everybody up, if you split it into two school districts, if you split it into multiple school districts, you're no longer conf- confronting these problems as a community. And the people right. in the, the nice ring school district or whatever, the outside of town school district will have, uh, you know, these very white schools, very non-diverse. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it really depends on how they split it because, you know, if they include South Louisville, if they include a lot of the places south of, um, you know, south of 264 uh, along, like, Preston Highway or, like, 265 or even out to, like, Valley Station, et cetera, like, that that could be a, a, a more brown school district potentially. But but regardless, like, you will have one school district that is, is heavily resourced, that has a school district that is probably dominated by um, places like Eastern High School, Ballard High School, uh, you know, places out out that direction, Jaytown High School, et cetera. And then you'll have an urban school district where 
they will still be tasked with solving all of the same problems, but without the resources that come in from from having um, right. uh, everybody mixed large, together. Yeah. And when exactly. we when we own this thing together, we can confront these problems together. And maybe we do a bad job of it, but at least we're trying. When we stop doing that, the problems in these areas that we're trying to confront with the school system are likely to get worse. Maybe we shouldn't use the school system to try to do that. I would suggest that we shouldn't. But we have gutted this the social safety net in every other way, in, in, in the way that state government uh, has completely eliminated many programs through budget cuts and through uh, you know benefit restrictions, um, making it so much more difficult to apply or maintain your benefits that, that you may get because you, you don't have income or you have uh, housing difficulties or whatever challenges that you face. Like You have been basically removed from the, the, those benefits because of state government, and now the thing that's mm-hmm. left to take care of your children is the school system, and now that will be even more lowly resourced and, and their ability to confront the challenges uh, in those communities will be even more constricted. So it's likely to just get worse in these areas if these solutions that the Republicans put forward will have. But at least, I guess, those kids in some of those more well, uh, you know, well-resourced well areas will no longer have to confront those issues. And that's likely what's what we're, we're facing in the future. Um, I think that's really unfortunate. A, a lot of people yeah. don't, and and that's kind of that's kind of the, the the challenge that that we're facing right now is is should we confront this as a community or should we divorce ourselves from the problems in in the parts of the city that we don't necessarily want to look at? So, um, it's tough. Um, it's really tough. A lot of things have been tough in this community, in the state, in this country, um, for for you know. Eight or nine, eight or nine years, where it seemed like things were going one direction, and we really swung, and have just run very hard in the other direction in the state. So, um, you know, it, it, it's it's just we don't know what's going to happen. We likely won't have anything big to report from state government in terms of how they're going to deal with this until the beginning of next year. So let's hope that JCPS can turn it around, can make it work in the next few weeks um and and you know we can improve on what we had last year because what the thing is like what we had last year was also just unacceptable we cannot have kids showing up to school an hour late we need to have more bus drivers we need to hire more bus drivers we need to pay these part-time workers that have to get up at three in the morning and drive kids around more money we have to do that in order to to maintain a a system where kids can get to school on time (sighs) anyways I, you know, I don't know. Any, anything else you want to say about that, Jasmine? I mean, I could just go on, but I, I yeah, don't think I need to. <laughs> I think you covered it well. All right. Um, well, you know, let's let's switch gears. May, maybe some better news, uh, depending on, I, I don't know, you can tell us. The, the UPS contract, how has that gone? All right. So UPS narrowly avoided a strike a couple weeks ago when it reached a contract agreement with Teamsters leadership. And we've mentioned the negotiations and the potential strike, uh, but we haven't really had a chance to provide the update. So on July 25th, six days before the con- the current contract was set to expire, a contract agreement was reached that would increase wages for 340,000 workers represented by the Teamsters Union. So union members will cast their ballots, their electronic ballots, um, between August 3rd and 22nd. So they're voting right now. And the contract agreement needs to pass by majority vote. So previously, two-thirds of workers needed to vote down a contract in order to override leadership if turnout was below 50%. Um, But now it 
has to pass by majority vote. And this change came after Sean O'Brien's election as the union president in 2021. So under the new contract, part-time workers' wages would be increased to no less than $21 per hour over the five-year contract. And the current wage floor is $15.50. Um, so that is a, a pretty substantial increase for part-time workers. It increases the wage floor. There are two caveats to the wage package. So first, the tentative agreement creates a new tier of part-time workers who are hired after the agreement is ratified. So they'll start at the new $21 per hour floor, but will only top out at $23 after five years, as opposed to $25.75 for those who started prior to ratification. Um, so some people aren't thrilled about these two different tiers of part-time workers, depending on when they started. Um, second, many UPS part-time workers work under market rate adjustments or MRAs um, that have already ways, raised their wages above that $15.50 per hour. Um, where the MRAs are in effect that raise the part-time wage floor above $21 an hour, that $7.50 increase would be on top of whatever MRA wage rate those workers make. So that's a good thing too. So Louisville Local 89 initially voted against recommending the agreement, um, but they did so specifically because they wanted assurances that the raises would be on top of the MRA wage rates. And once they got that, they switched to endorsing the, the deal. It's not as much as workers were fighting for, um, but it's the largest wage increase like dollar-wise in the last 40 years. And the contract also closes the gap between part-time and full-time workers with, you know, the lowest wage part-time workers seeing the highest percentage increase and that percentage increase dropping as seniority increases. Um, in addition to the wage for increasing, um, UPS agreed to equip new delivery vehicles with air conditioning. That was um, a big part of the bargaining was like the conditions that they have to drive in and work in in the heat. Um, so that is part of the agreement ending forced overtime and then also eliminating a two-tier pay system for delivery drivers. They're also required... Um, UPS will be required to create more full-time jobs and restrict management surveillance of drivers. Um, and it also establishes Martin Luther King Day as a paid holiday. So those are some additional things that the contract agreement would do. Um, so we're about a week out um, from when voting ends. If, if workers vote down the contract, um, then parties will have to return to negotiations and, and um, we could be back in the, in the same spot that we were in. Um, I don't necessarily like have my finger on the pulse of like what this vote is going to look like. A lot of like news articles, um, you know, will interview people who 
plan to vote against it. Um, but it, it has the support of um, a lot, you know, most of the local 89s. Um, and so we'll see what happens. I don't know, Robert, um, what do you think about how the vote might go? It, it seems to me that I, that the the membership likely will follow the union's, you know, endorsements. I think, you know, you have seen in the past where membership has rejected deals, like in the recent past, I think with the rail strike mm-hmm. that happened recently, um, the the union negotiated a, a deal with the, you know, the partners, and then that was, that was voted down by the members. But I do think the sense that I get is that um, the 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 union representatives the union negotiators were really working hard on behalf of the membership and the membership really saw them working really hard on their behalf uh and i do think this is the sense that this is about as good as they're going to get you mentioned it's not everything you know it isn't what they were fighting for uh but that is never going to happen like it's a negotiation you're not going to get everything mm -hmm. that's just how it goes um, and, and I think, you know, the, the idea when these things get voted down, they get voted down because the membership doesn't feel like the, the, the union worked hard enough on their behalf. Um, and, and I, do, I don't get that sense. Now, I'm not also as plugged in as I could be, as a lot of people are across the state or across the country. Um, but that's at least the sense that I get about how, how it's going to go. I, I think it's highly likely that it will pass. But, you know, I'm not in the prediction game. I'm usually pretty bad at that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and Sean O'Brien, the the president who took over in 2021, um, pushed for the change to allow workers to vote down a deal with a simple majority. And he's also really pushed for a better contract for UPS workers. Um, that that's been something that has been. A big part of his tenure so far and um so i think you're i think you're probably right that it it's likely to pass um but with with a new rule in place you know it's hard it's hard to know um but i think you know we may not know we won't probably won't know next week um but in the next few weeks we'll know if that contract gets accepted by the workers yeah, very Teamsters heavy show this week. You know, this we uh, local eighty nine is the UPS yeah. drivers, and what's like seven eighty seven eighty three represents the bus drivers. That's right. Yeah, and and you know these these stories are actually really connected. I think that they really kind of do play off of each other because it is like you know people who drive stuff around people and things like they have gotten a raw deal for a really long time. It's been a bad job for a really long time. Like driving a bus. I I can't imagine anything I would want to do less than that. Like, to be <laughs> honest with you, like that's to me, like that seems like the worst thing you can do now. And and people do it every day. They get up. Yeah. That we early. need, we need people to do it, Robert. Yeah. We need, we need a lot of people to do it. And, and, you know, I'm thinking about how much you would need to pay me. And yeah, like 25 bucks an hour. That seems, that seems right or low and, and you know the fact is like i also wouldn't want to drive an un-air-conditioned ups truck mm-hmm. around all yeah. day in the hot summer um days in a silly brown uniform 
uh, and and take packages to people's house like for whatever it was fifteen fifty an hour. Like these people deserve more money, and and we're, we're you know they're getting it um, in, in both cases, and and they need more in order to entice them to drive buses. And I'm really glad that that this union was able to negotiate this contract and hopefully avoid a strike. Like it's I mean, and also one way that these things are related is we can see how disruptive it is um, when people aren't there aren't enough people doing this work like you know we have like the school system of course is insanely disrupted if ups had gone on strike it would have been really bad for all of us as well we all depend depend on these drivers for so much um and and, you know they deserve they deserve what we get and and you know maybe your maybe amazon prime will go up two bucks uh you know a month or something like that you can pay it they're gonna pay it if they pay it to their workers which hopefully they will who knows um you know that that is that is just kind of how it goes um you know hopefully we're able to avoid the strike uh you know hopefully that this contract is good enough um but but we will find out soon anything else you want to say about the the uh ups contract jasmine (laughs) well i guess one other way that the stories are connected is that ups offered oh yeah uh their help to jcps um since that's you know they're in the business of, of driving routes, and so um, I think JCPS said that they would accept their help. So um, yeah. I guess we'll see how if UPS is able to solve the the JCPS bus crisis. Yeah, man, it's, it, the logistics is hard. It's really hard. It's hard <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's tough stuff. Yeah, uh, man. All right. Well, we did have one quick get, Jasmine. You you notified me of it right before we started recording. What is it? Well, it's. It, it's a couple Daniel Cameron quick hits. So the first one is that Daniel Cameron was endorsed by the state FOP today, and uh, they endorsed Andy Bashir in 2019. Um, so they have endorsed Daniel Cameron. And then he also announced his education plan today, um, which is called the Cameron Ketchup Plan. Um, And kind of the theme of it is like trying to catch kids up from Andy Bashir shutting down schools during the pandemic. Um, And so Andy Bashir has plans to release education policies this week as well. So I'm sure that we'll talk more about both of them um, on our next show. Yeah. Um, Andy Bashir also released his budget. I did not get to that story this week because of all the JCPS news. Um, He did that very, Mm -hmm. very early um, and, and we'll probably be talking about a lot of that um, in the next week or so. Uh, I, you know, Jasmine, I don't know. I, I did want to ask you, like, do you think that the FOP endorse? how much do you think the FOP endorsement actually matters? Um, you know, we've talked a lot about endorsements in the past. Like, how much do you think that this this impact? Will yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if it matters too much um, because I would have been surprised, honestly, if they endorse Andy Bashir. I think that's just like the way the last four years have gone um, that law enforcement agencies have endorsed Republicans. um, And so it's not surprising to me. I think Andy Bashir probably like did court that endorsement. Um, But I don't, I don't know that it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I think he likely put out feelers. I, I don't think he was going to outright and reject it like a lot of uh, Democrats would these days, especially in in Louisville. But, but mm-hmm. I do I do think uh, it it matters less than it it would have 
uh, last time. I think in surprising endorsements are the ones that matter. Like I think BFOB endorsing Andy Bashir last time kind of mattered because people were like, oh yeah, maybe that does matter. Yeah. But, you know, if the, if the ACLU endorses a Republican, that's in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that, that kind of matters. Surprising. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Like those are the endorsements that kind of matter. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Bashir has been hammering like he has been utilizing a lot of law enforcement office uh, officials in a lot of his ads. There's a sheriff's ad. Um, going around uh, that that he's publicized, and I think like I, I do think he's kind of courting like you know I mean I I don't think he's going to say he didn't get the FOP endorsement obviously, but he is like I support law enforcement. Um, a, a lot of these sheriffs are happy with the work that I've done, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that that's probably going to be driven home, and it may mute some of the benefit that this FOP en- uh, endorsement gets from from Daniel Cameron. We'll talk a light a lot more about the education yeah. stuff next week. I expect that that to be a major topic. But uh, before we get out of here. Anything else you want to say, Jasmine? Nope. I think that's it. All right. Well, how can people get a hold of us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old Pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our show on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter. You can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month, you can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast Network and the Forward Kentucky Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>